0: Do you have what it takes to be a medical translator? Coming up. Hello and welcome back to the verse. This is episode two of the series specialized on my channel this is a series in which I talk to different translators with different specializations about the field that they are working in. If you have missed episode one, it was about legal translation. You can click here if you're interested. Uh, this week's video is about medical translation. We have three very interesting specialist translators on here today that I, I will introduce in a few seconds. Please let me know in the comments what other specialization you would like to see. I have a few ideas in stock, of course, but I'm interested uh, to know what you guys would like to watch. So without further ado, let's cut to the panel I hope you enjoy the discussion. So welcome back to episode two of the series specialized on my channel. This week, we talk about medical. So we have three uh, experts from the medical translation field with us today. We have Cristina, Denise and Cassandra. So I think the best would be if you guys could introduce yourself a bit. Uh, What is it you do? For how long have you been doing it? Cristina, would you like to start?
1: Yes. Hello, my name is Cristina. I am from Madrid. Um, I work as a translator. I translate from German and English into Spanish. I have been working since 2002-2003 full-time and always specialised in medicine.
0: Great. Cassandra?
2: Uh, Hi, my name is Cassandra Scott. I translate from German and French into English. um, And I do medical translation and a bit of marketing translation as well. Sometimes a combination of
0: the two. And Denise?
3: I'm Denise Günther, I live in Germany and I translate from English and French into German. Um, And I do mainly medical technology and digital health.
0: Okay, so yeah, the main thing that you guys all have in common, of course, is medical translation. And uh, I think it seems so hard to get into it because people are scared. Like what requirements does it take to get into the specialization, etc. So Cassandra, could you maybe tell the people a bit about like the requirements? What do you really need to be a medical translator?
2: Well, I don't think there are any, there's no one body to tell you what the requirements are.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, So it depends on what you feel confident doing and who's going to accept that you can do it. Um, In the first instance, I was kind of doing very formulaic, form-filling kind of work. And so that kind of gave me an introduction into doing medical records, translating medical records. But it was almost already half done for me. Um, and I was under the supervision of somebody who was in-house in an agency. I was working freelance, but they kind of supervised me um, me and everything. So they said, don't worry, we know that you're new to this, but we'll take you through it. That's how I got my first foot in the door, so to speak. And then later I got an in-house job um, just doing text to do with clinical trials. You need, you need some interest in the topic
0: for sure. Yeah, yeah you started as translating and then you somehow ended up in the medical field so it's not like you were first working in the medical field and then combined these experiences right
2: right um so that first job that i was talking about that was almost straight out of uni not quite because i had a very short very terrible internship which i don't like to talk about except okay (laughs)
0: let's not (laughs) um
2: i was just lucky to get that i guess um but i was always interested in biology in medicine, you know, I'd always read a lot about it. I studied biology at school, so I think you've definitely got to have some general knowledge about it.
0: What about you, Christina? How did you first translate medical texts?
1: Well, I I, I had studied uh, chemistry uh, in the university, and then I had uh, worked for two engineering companies, and well, I I had also had interest in translation, and in these companies, I also had to to translate, they asked me to translate documents for them, for the the international companies. And so when I decided to start translating, I thought, well, it's an area that it's interesting for me, and it's a huge area also, and I cannot translate law or anything else. Um, and yeah, that that was the reason because I was interested. Chemistry has a bit connection, so I had a scientific background. It was easier for me to understand the medical text.
0: So yeah, you would say that helps you. That uh, the science background helps you in medical translation.
1: It was a huge. Yes, it was very important. I think. Most of the colleagues I know, uh, they are doctors or they have a scientific background. But okay, it doesn't mean you need to, if you, if you are really interested and have, I think you can also do it even if you don't have this background, but it's much more difficult, of course.
0: Yeah, yeah. Denise, when we were uh, talking before recording this video, you told me that your specializing is a bit different, right? It's medicine technology, right? Yeah, Can you exactly. tell a bit about what this entails? What does it really mean?
3: Um, so it's all sorts of medical devices. So this goes from um, prosthetics to also just um, ultrasound. So it's, it's basically everything that, that helps the doctors or is there for the doctors to use either on the patient, in the patient or near the patient.
0: Nice. And how did you get to be specialized in this? What was your, your way to, to get there?
3: At university, I did engineering, IT and automotive, and when I graduated, I found out that there are no jobs in automotive for me, or there weren't at the time anyway, so I felt like I needed another specialty. And um, ever since I was a kid, um, I had a huge interest in the medical fields because um, when my granddad was young, he lost um, both of his legs and um, so he wore prosthetics, but I never knew until I was a teen. And I stayed with them for a very long time, so they looked real, they had hair and everything. (laughs) So it was for me like it blew my mind and I was like I really want to be part of the people who help other people like help with the suffering or just make their lives better in general. So basically medical devices was like the logical thing to do for me.
0: Nice, okay. And what would be now kind of uh, common text types that you have in this field? Is it mostly manuals or what what can people imagine?
3: Um, yeah it's many manuals um, but also um, you get lots of um, surgical instructions like where to put the device and how to do it um, and also patient documents because you know they have to um, consent to the procedure in the first place. Okay. So that's-
0: For you Cassandra what would be a common everyday text type that you do on a weekly basis let's say?
2: Like Denise as well, um, patient consent forms, um, patient information sheets, um, that would be for me to do with clinical trials usually. I do a lot of research articles as well, um, especially in nutrition. Websites, I do a lot of websites, um, so that, that's kind of where the medical and marketing sort of cross over a lot of mm-hmm. the time. I specialize in marketing as well, so it's quite often marketing something medical. Okay, um, nice. Um, or press releases, that kind of thing as well.
0: And, um, Christina, what would be a, a common client of yours? How can people imagine, like, if you're a medical translator, do you work for hospitals, do you work for doctors or agencies? You
1: know, well, in my case, I, I started with agencies. I just wrote them directly and that's how I started. I, I They were happy with my translations and just gave me more work. Then it expanded to other agencies, agencies mostly agencies that are specialized in medicine okay. but now with the years i have other clients i have uh, direct clients companies i have also worked for also publishers medical publishers and even now also for institutions So.
0: but then it's it's really specific agencies then right like really medical yeah. translation specific agencies and that's i assume that's not easy to find right
1: well, there's a lot of competition, I would say now, and it also depends on the language combination. So into Spanish, there's really, <laughs> I think it is really hard. So you just have to try, do a good job, always try your best, also deliver your best, deliver on time, mm-hmm. and always be keen on learning. So nowadays you get to uh, do a lot of proofreading now, because uh, medical translations mm-hmm many of them need to be proofread so now i'm doing that but i learned because i see how the other translation translator translated and and when i started i, I also received my my text proofread and and there i learned a lot so you have to be, yeah learn constantly mm-hmm.
0: I feel like what I've noticed, I also had, uh, sometimes I get uh, requests to do uh, medical texts or to proofread or translate. And I almost exclusively always decline them because I'm just too scared to work on them. And I just don't have the knowledge, but I, I've heard of from people and also I've experienced it myself that you can really tell if you're proofreading a translation and the translator wasn't specialized in medic. Right? I think it's uh, an area where you can you can pinpoint it very exactly if someone is not specialized in that. Would you agree with that, Denise?
3: Um, Yeah, because in our field, I mean, it sounds drastic, right? But um, translation errors can be fatal. Like um, if the surgeon puts the device into the wrong artery or whatever, like that's that. So I think you really have to know what you're talking about. So for me, it was um, essential to do a lot of reading, to do courses, from doctors or from other translators who have like a medical background um, to do a lot of anatomy because even though I just do the just do the devices, um, I still need to know where exactly on the body we we're talking at. You know.
0: Is there some kind of quality control that you have in place? Do you have to some kind of norms, ISO or something that you need to uh, adhere to?
3: Um, Well, there's a new medical um, device directive, the U-2017-745. It replaces the old directive, I think. um, That was in place for a very long time. You kind of just have to be up to date. Like, whatever your clients read, you have to read
0: as well. And would you say, Cassandra, there are common uh, errors, common traps in medical translation that always come up again?
2: The acronyms.
0: The acronyms, yeah.
2: (laughs) Most areas of translation that happens, but especially in medical, because there's so much crossover. There's so there's so many acronyms that are the same, but for different things, depending on the field. So you even have to know in this, you have to know your your stuff enough that you know in this field it means this, but in that field it means that.
0: Yeah,
2: yeah. Is that likely to be atrial fibrillation, AF, or is it something else in this context? You know. Okay.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: One thing that I've noticed, especially sort of on um, translators, groups online, like on Facebook, where people sometimes go for help, is people will just chuck out, it's definitely this. And I'll read it and I'm like, it's definitely not that. (laughs) (laughs) And because of the context, I know it's not that, but this person gives their comments so sure that it's definitely that. And yeah, in another context, it might have been that, but in this context, it can't be. Um, wow,
0: that messes up everything. I mean if it's the wrong acronym that changes yeah. everything. Right? Yeah,
2: so definitely. how would I you
0: think... you would you would go back to the client I assume to to ask back, right?
2: Um well if you if you don't know then that's your only option. Yeah. Um, you can't just guess. If you know enough about the area you you would hopefully know. You know if it, if it's talking about um the number of centimeters or something that would give you a clue. Okay, this is a measurement of a physical attribute. It's not um, the name of a disease, for example. This is the kind of mistake that I've seen in, in, the, in the sort of comments that I was talking about someone saying oh, it's definitely this. And I said, well, if it's related to a measurement, if this is the thing they're measuring, it cannot be the name of the disease.
0: Okay.
2: But I think what really helps and what's really helped for me is I, I've been doing a degree in health sciences. And I think just any, kind of, and I wish I'd done it sooner, getting like higher education in the area, it's not a medical degree, obviously, because that would be too much, but um, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's related to medicine. And so I, that's been really helpful for me in kind of learning things from the ground up, because I feel like when you're translating, you're quite often learning from the top down. You're sort of looking, okay, this is what they've said about this. I need to now go back and figure out what that's all about, uh, learning in a degree you kind of learn more from the ground up. So you learn like, oh, this is how the system works and this is how the parts of the system work and so on and so forth. So that kind of systematic knowledge gets built up that way. So I would really recommend to anyone who wants to get into medical translation um, to get like like Christina has her chemistry degree. I'm sure that helps so much. And my degree is really helping me. I'm not, I'm not done yet, but um, hopefully next year I'll be done.
0: And it's at the university, or what is it, uh, the institute? It's with
2: the Open University. It's a Bachelor of Health Sciences with the
0: Open University. Okay, okay, nice. And Cristina, your target language is Spanish, right? And uh, what I always see in medical translation is, as uh, Cassandra mentions, the acronyms, but also there's so much latin stuff in there and so much acronyms that stay english right do you have some kind of resources just for the spanish language is there like a medical glossary for the spanish language or how can you ensure that you know these terms from the medical industry
1: yes we have a lot of resources um, very good ones uh, into spanish we are very lucky Uh, we have the cosnautas is the name of the webpage And there you can find a a medical dictionary. It is so, to speak, a critical dictionary. You won't find everything, but you will surely find these pitfalls, these terms that can be misleading or... So it's really very helpful. And now we have it also German into Spanish. So that's really useful. But you have many other things that you have to look at. So like the standard terms, when you are when you are translating pharma or you have the, the, the uh, anatomic terminology you have to use the official one it just yes it's complicated yeah, I also I see. remember <laughs> I remember the seminars in Germany anatomy germ- seminars which were really great. Uh, we had a professor on anatomy had everything explained to the translators and we also could it was hands-on so we could see a stomach. Oral. Yeah, a really, uh, really a real <laughs> stomach. So when <laughs> when you see that you 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 never forget that. You never forget it and then it's so useful when when you translate
0: definitely. Yeah. When you see the real life oh, yes. application. I assume also for you Dennis you, you work with with devices, right? So do, do you have the chance to I mean these are potentially like multi-million dollar devices, right? How can you get your hands on this? Thing? Do you have the chance to see these products?
3: Yes, I often do go to trade fairs. Um, so most often um, the MedTech one, which takes place in Nuremberg and in Birmingham each year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've got my go-to people now um, from companies um, that do really interesting stuff. And I always put them like, oh can I do this for research and they're so happy to let you do it they are bored at the trade fair if nobody's around or they're totally overworked with so many people so if you go there for just interest in the product and nothing else and just their knowledge it's like really nice for them for a change so they will tell you everything about it Like, and um, I got the chance to look into like a really really expensive um, 3D microscope it was amazing <laughs> so,
0: so cool. that was yeah. very cool it, it helps you also with working yeah, I mean I, I do a lot of sports stuff and whenever I, I work on a, on a new running shoe I, re, I need to see it, like you need to see what it looks like to actually be able to, to translate it and I assume it's the same with, with the devices yeah. as well right. But then of course when it comes to organs and yeah it gets difficult to, <laughs> to find them. <laughs> Uh, So, Cassandra, I assume you're working in the medical field, Uh, this year has been, or also the last year has been quite special with COVID-19, has it affected your your content of work at all? Like, do you have anything COVID-related that you're working on?
2: Um, I have to say, it hasn't changed a lot for me. Um, I've always been working from home, so that didn't change. I did get some COVID-related texts or... Covid got mentioned in a lot of texts, but I've not noticed any great change in what I'm doing because a lot of the work that I do is kind of quite regular work. For example, I do um, some uh, research articles, translation of research articles, and I I just kind of know that that's going to come in every month and it's always going to be about the same type of thing and it's not about Covid, so... I only got uh, two assignments,
1: very short ones. Mentioned the COVID nineteen, so no, no change really. I have yeah. the same same topics, which is mostly dentistry or surgery, pharma, and nothing has changed.
0: <laughs> okay, nice. So one question I get a lot is if it's worth to join translators associations. Denise, are you are you part of of an association specifically for Thank medical, you. for example?
3: And not specifically for medical, but I'm part of the BDU. So that's the German Translators Association. They do quite a lot of work in specializations. For example, they offer courses. They have groups where you, where you meet like, I don't know, every couple of weeks. And you can discuss topics. You can ask um, about certain fields, like how you get into this or, you know, where do you find your clients? Or did you hear about anyone who doesn't pay or doesn't, you know? I'm actually also um, a BDU mentor. Um so I'm mentoring uh, younger or oh, well um, <laughs> less experienced um, transairs, which is really helpful for
1: them.
0: Christina, you're also part of one?
1: Yes, I'm also part of the you okay. and I also think it's very, very useful. I When I started, I was also I also joined the ITI, that's the, the uh, association in, in, in the UK. And they have a medical network and the seminars were also really great.
0: Okay, this was very insightful. And uh, to finish this off, I would like to ask all of you to give kind of a word of advice to the viewers or also to your former self, if you were watching this video right now. Cassandra, what would you say? Like, is it possible for everyone to get in the medical industry?
2: Um, I think it's possible for anyone who has the right level of interest, for sure. Um, Don't just do it because you think It's going to be lucrative, because that probably won't work out that well for you. Um, It is, I think, more lucrative than some areas if you know where to look for the work, but you won't get that much out of it if you're not really, really interested in it. Um, And I think if I could say something to my past self, it would be, did you know that there's this OU degree that you could start right now? (laughs) Go ahead and do it. Um, (laughs) That's the only thing I regret is that I didn't start doing it sooner.
0: And uh, Christina, what would be your advice?
2: Well,
1: uh, I would say always try your best, always deliver high quality, uh, deliver on time, and that's also very important. Ask if you're not sure. I haven't in the past uh, sometimes didn't ask the, the project manager, and then I worked more and I did things that weren't asked. And continue your ed- education. No? That's that's for me. That's very very important for me to continue. Specializing. Or,
0: yeah. Never stop the learning process.
1: Yes. Exactly.
0: Okay, very nice. And Denise, would you like to finish this off?
3: Um, I would just say dive in and ask as many questions as possible. Maybe look for other errors in the field that you want to do, like medical. Um, there's tons of lessons on Facebook, on LinkedIn, and whatever. Um, if you go to any conference, you're going to meet enough people. And um, they've done all the mistakes that there are to make, so you can maybe learn to not make the same mistakes again. Um, And looking back, I wish I just had done all that (laughs) and done it sooner. Um, It took me three years to catch up with the medical field until I was finally um, brave enough to take on regular jobs in the the market. And uh, I wish I had sped that up a little.
0: Well, very insightful. Thank you very much, everyone. And I hope uh, you viewers enjoyed this video. Feel free to reach out to to the people, and you can also write comments under this video and I will either you can answer them directly on YouTube if you see it or I will try to forward the questions to you anyways this has been episode two of specialized and uh, in about two months probably episode three will be there with, uh, with the next topic and next Monday is the next video as usual make sure to scroll down and subscribe and like the video it helps out a lot and I see you next week bye bye